Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnified Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And apply today for the Magnified Pod Robot Spy College Scholarship. I'm Andrew. John. And this is our podcast. And this is one of those episodes where we're not going to waste anybody's time. No. Because on today's episode, back. That's right. Back on the pod, Reese Roper. Yes. Yes. Scott Kerr joining us to talk. What are we talking, John? We're talking Engine of a Million Plots. We're talking, talking between Pavement and Stars. Talking, talking some new of those new songs over here. Talking maybe some lyrics over here. Ooh, another MagPod exclusive. We got some exclusives. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking all of it. So, um, I don't think I don't know. Is there anything anything you want to say, John? I don't know. I, I feel like we should just let's just dive in. We we just, love these dudes. We were very happy to have them back. It was kind of uh, Scott's idea to to see them having their dynamics bounce off each other, and I feel like we learned why pretty quickly. So it was a great time. <laughs> it's it was a beautiful it was a beautiful experience. They're beautiful men, <laughs> um, and as I said on last week's episode. Everybody in Five Iron can get it, and I stand by that. So <laughs> perfect intro. <laughs> perfect intro. Uh, let's get to our interview with Scott Reese. Uh, John, today on um, we have, I think we have a magnified pod first. Back on the pod, two returning guests, each individual guest at the time, Scott Kerr, Reese Roper. Welcome back to Magnified Pod. Good to be back. Great to be back. <laughs> so uh, this episode is going to come out the week after our Engine of a Million Plots episode has dropped. So uh, everybody already knows our takes on the record, which is that it rules and we have nothing but good things to say about it. Um, but there are uh, some lingering questions kind of like that we, I think we individually discussed with you kind of the lead up to uh, the band getting back together um sort of where everybody was at that time but i think we kind of wanted to hold out on some of that conversation until we got to this record and also we wanted to talk about blizzards and bygones or the, uh, sorry but we wanted to talk about between pavement and stars uh i'll talk about blizzards and, well we're gonna be talking about blizzards we're definitely talking about blizzards and bygones mm-hmm. um on both albums yeah, it, it is true. Well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, John, do you want to? I think I, John, you had a lot more of the. I got some questions. I mean, I think 
I think Scott, this idea originated with you where you were kind of like, maybe if we were both on, we could provide a sort of yin and yang. I don't think you use that terminology, but you guys are kind of a balancing force within the band, uh, two different distinct approaches, uh, come together to, to make something great. Uh, so I, I, I'm intrigued about hearing both of you weigh in on things. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we're, we're big fans of the record. We really wanted to kind of like get into both engine and between pavement stars and maybe get some insights into the possible forthcoming future record as much as you're willing to share. So one of the things that I think we talked about with both of you was sequencing on engine and kind of deciding order of things, um, what made the album, what didn't. Um, but for, so we do a top three songs every episode, you know, and for both of us, um, the opener and the closer were in both of our top three, two out of three for both of us. Um, we're against the Sea of Troubles and Blizzards and Bygones. And I just wondered about, I think Scott, you had mentioned like you were not sure that Blizzards and Bygones was going to be the closer. Um, and I think both of you maybe talked about that. Um, originally there was maybe a different, the idea I think it was to have Boomerang be the original opener. So if you guys could just talk about how, what was kind of the approach to sequencing for this record? How does that usually work in general? Do you guys all vote? Like what songs were on the table for, for closers and openers? Well, I don't know at what point they uh, started doing this. Um, sometime after I left, I think they had uh, they'd, they'd started this, I guess, process of, of everyone coming up with their own playlist mm. um, of okay. what they think the sequence should be. Um, is that right, Reese? Yeah, I think it just came about because technology allowed for it. Before you left, it was really expensive to burn a CD. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was accessible. Sure. That's true. They were like 10 bucks each at one point. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. We're old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, for, uh, for Engine, I think I mentioned this. Uh, so Mike Onquist was our manager at the time, and he also came up with a, a sequence. Um, and he was the only one that put blizzards last, if I recall. Um, I, I always thought that it could be, but there were a few contenders, I think, for that spot. And against the sea of troubles was one of them. Um, I had kind of always assumed that it would be the closer because it seemed, um, like it had more, it's even that one's not, it's not like an every new day or something like that, but it, it seemed to. I guess be closest to a song that Five Iron historically put in that place. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, we we all made our sequences. We all listened to each of the sequences, and Mike's uh, definitely resonated with me and a number of the other um, members. I, I think more than anyone, and he also gave a really thorough kind of. Uh, reasoning behind it, which I think was yeah. pretty compelling. To go back to Boomerang, um, that song started out, we loved it. Both Scott and I loved it, but had different ideas for it. And the further we went along, because we were still just trying to figure out our writing process, 
we're still doing that, but I think it's gotten way better. Like in the last couple of months, um, just trying to figure out how we're going to write again and especially doing it long distance. So it ended up that song went from being everybody's favorite to just kind of being this amalgam of 14 different ideas. Just everyone being like, well, what if you put this, this in the chorus or what if these were the words or let's try this. And then, you know, like I think Scott and I were both trying to please everybody and then not piss each other off. And it ended up being what it is, which I think kind of was a disappointment to everybody, especially hmm. Scott and I. I think we have, we have different visions for it. Um, yeah, so it, it did not make it first. I don't think it made it on anybody's list, did it, Scott? I don't remember, honestly. Um, I don't yeah. remember either. Sorry. That I'm was drunk on hams. <laughs> You're thinking of Andrew. Um, hey, I've been meaning to ask. I did hear the episode where you read the uh, the uh, pod um, review with the uh, pretty pretty eloquently written. Yeah, yeah. right. Was that, I, it sounded like something Reese might write? Actually, was, <laughs> what, what was what was the name? Nacho something or <laughs> Nacho Bobbles? Yeah, yeah. It does sound like a Reese pseudonym, <laughs> but it was not in this case. Oh, it was a. Uh, Robert Gay, mean? our our buddy Robert Gay, who uh, who made that sensual <laughs> review. <laughs> he's a he's a singer songwriter in his own right, so he's he's got away with words. Yeah, he's a trumpet player. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played in a uh, Matt Thiessen's band. He played trumpet in that band. Matt Thiessen and the Earthquakes. Yeah. Right. Um, and talented dude. Yes, he uh, he yeah. also yeah, was the he was the Christmas shoes Christmas solo shoes kid. kid. Um, <laughs> we might, <laughs> we might hear more about him, uh, in that capacity at some point on the pod. Gotta get um, him on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, to kind of get in. I mean, if you guys remember, and if you're willing to like, what were the different ideas you had? I think I read that like the chorus of boomerang was where you were kind of parting. So like, where, where did each of you want to go with it versus where it ended up? I, I don't remember ever having a vision for it lyrically. Um, I, my process for that album was writing placeholder lyrics and uh, just to demonstrate melodies, right. um, which is something I hadn't done before. Um, but through the years in Yellow Second, I just kind of learned that I liked crafting a song that way. You know, it's all based on the melody and it can't be, it can't come after uh, because all these other details from the, you know, I mean, in, in every other aspect of the, of the arrangement, you know, all the instrumentation, they needed to prop that up and be able to complement it and not sound like, you know, people are stepping on each other. Like when I listen to old Five Iron Records, I know, I know you guys like them a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like everyone's talking at the same time. Hmm. Um, and uh, so that was, that was my goal is to prevent that from happening. I wanted all the pieces to kind of, meld together seamlessly. So um, I know Reese had a different melody in mind at some point. And I, that's the only thing I remember us really butting heads on that, other than the fact, I guess, that, you know, once, yeah, I, it seemed like lyrically you went through a few iterations of that. Is that right? Yeah, it was, I don't know, just kind of loosely based on just kind of 
there was a couple different versions. The first version sounded too much like we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. (laughs) Um, I remember that. (laughs) Yes. But lyrically it was just kind of based on this, on this joke, you know, like a total dad joke. You're like, Hey, did you hear what's coming back? Boomerangs. And I was like, yeah, it'd be funny to make that into a, a metaphor for five iron. And it didn't work. I think, I mean, it kind of did. I don't, I don't know. I, I think there's like 15 different angles for metaphors that get thrown into that song or just different ideas. And you're like, what, what is this song about? There's a sailing metaphor, a mass pirates. Are they pirates? What's his boomerang now? And uh, it's too much. It's too much lyrically. Like it was too much, just everybody putting in on it. And um, I don't know. I think Scott and I both both write from different places. Like I I am so much a, a sucker for just hooky pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And not that Scott isn't, but it has to be interesting for Scott to even consider it you know to even it's like i I don't know you've gotten a lot better scott at taking something that is kind of mundane and that i think is hooky and then making it interesting Mm. but um yeah much to your credit on this stuff that we're working on now it's just awesome thank you (laughs) (laughs) I, i i've never been able to write a song with like the one five six four progression you know that's every other song you hear on the radio right um like i i like some of those songs but when i when it comes to me writing it i just i feel like i'm cheating or something right uh, which is why um, uh, your bridges are so great <laughs> <laughs> love scott bridge i um, also love the rest of the song yeah. <laughs> those bridges though uh, hey, so Reese. Uh, <laughs> uh, so speaking of placeholder lyrics, um, you know, we, you know, Scott had sent us over, you know, the, you know, we had John and I hadn't heard the engine demo versions with the placeholder lyrics before this last okay. week, and so listening to that, I was thinking. Um, as Scott was, you you were saying, you know, it's there as a, to show the melody, but I was curious, Reese, uh, for someone who is essentially needing to maybe pick the parts in the songs that you like, uh, which it seemed like there were certain phrases that you use, but is it difficult to unlearn or forget or get like the way something is originally sung or the lyrics of, of those demos when you're trying to like do your own thing, is that a difficult process? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard for me. I like, I, I don't think it is for Scott. I think it is Scott. I'm going to talk you up for a second here. Shut up. Um, I remember <laughs> like 20 years ago, Scott talking about how he could make drum noises just by clicking his teeth together. <laughs> and it's kind of embarrassing sounding like, there. It is true. It, yeah, like he would make these sounds just in his head. He could hear it. He'd be writing drum parts and, and then also thinking out the guitar parts for a whole song just in his head. And then he'd be like, okay, do this. So he can do that like 
all day long. I cannot, you know, the, the way that I, I write is I'll hear a song and I'll be like, ah, you know, the old West, it sounds like a Western and people will be like, no, it doesn't. It's punk rock. And I'd be like, no, I hear something. And so then I just write around that and there, there's my inspiration. Um, and then I just kind of feel it out. And then if I, you know, I, I get like a kind of a loose melody on there and then tighten it up later, it feels good. Um, but Scott, just he, he's like 10 steps ahead of everyone. He's thought through the whole song. And um, so I think for him to switch, he'll, he'll just kind of calculate it and think it through. Whereas I, I can't, you know, like I'll, I'll have to get the old melody out of my head. I'll have to go in, play something on piano over it. So I erase it and just kind of like play chords and then sing within those chords. Before you sell yourself short, I mean, I, I look at you as being more that way with words, you know, like words for me don't come nearly as readily. And I, I'm the one who has to kind of like, uh, muddle through and, and just kind of try a lot of things. And then I'm never really a hundred percent sold on how good they are. So, um, I suppose that's why we, you know, sometimes work well together. <laughs> this is why you, you form a, a Voltron of, of, of awesome songwriting together. Um, I feel like Voltron is doing very well, very well this week. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of along those lines, you know, per the placeholder lyrics that are in there, um, some of those are retained. And I wondered, Reese, if there are times when you, you know, decided to go with what Scott had or how that process works. Because, you know, even though most of those were placeholders and became something else, there's clearly still a connection between, you know, I know Blizzards and Bygones was, was Scott's song and it stayed that way, but like Against the Sea of Troubles mm -hmm. became something else, but retained some of those original elements. Um, and I think even though some of that was like Scott's original lyrics and music throughout the album, I think all that stuff really thematically links well together. So Reese, did you take a page from Scott's direction sometimes, or were you all just kind of feeling similarly about what kind of thematic ground you wanted to cover with the album um i did sometimes just kind of go off of what scott had started it as which again like what it made me feel like what his his lyrics were adding to it or or you know if it pointed me pointed me in a direction i would go with that i think one one thing that set us back years is um when we were making our newest album ever um, Scott and I sat down to work out um, most likely to succeed. And Scott, you had ideas for it, and you wanted you wanted to like make it better. This is my recollection of it. This is, you know, twenty three years ago, twenty two years ago. Um, just sitting down and being like, "This is this," and and then we we kind of co wrote it together. We kind of worked out the lyrics together and the melody at the same time. And everything was just compromise, compromise, compromise. Well, this sounds good. Okay, now it's my turn. Okay, all right, now it's my turn. And it didn't come together 
as well as like what we're doing now. Um, and I remember you being super bummed about it, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of songs I could say that about. Um, I think that one was probably the one where we tried to collaborate most. I actually forgot that I had anything to contribute with that one lyrically, but um, I, yeah, I, like that was a song that was kind of a turning point for me as far as like maybe being uh, a little more dissatisfied with the songwriting process uh, just because it, it felt like we were always butting heads at that at that point and it was hard for us to come to uh, a place where we both felt like our contributions were making the song better and not just a compromise oh no i mean like i know that melodically you had you had done most of the work on that song already and i think melodically that song is incredible i love it i just hated that it seemed like we compromised on lyrics and then you didn't like it anymore you know i wish we had just figured it out better it's, it's all water under the bridge now uh, yeah well i mean i i just want to i mean it seems like there's there was maybe some butting heads maybe in, in a different way back then. I don't know. Like there's something, um, there's a song, I forget which song it is on engine where you talk about, you know, steel sharpening steel or, or something to that effect and start a fire. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just very impressed with, uh, when listening through those demos, how much they stayed almost the exact same with obviously the, the difference in production um, and actual horns and everything, but the bones of the song stayed the same. And then I, I'm just very impressed that, that Scott, that you had these, like Teresa's point, like these fully constructed concepts that um just pretty much out the gate and i'm i'm just and that was you know if and you if you guys are talking about voltron being even you know reaching its peak in this with this (laughs) these past few months or whatever um i just think that that says something about how far you've come then in your collaboration and your and your working together yeah, we uh, we are trying something um, quite a bit different this time around. Like I didn't do the same thing where I wrote placeholder lyrics or anything. I mean, I know that that was very um, frustrating at times for Reese to have to deal with a preset meter. And I knew it would be. I mean, we had long conversations when we even talked about doing this because I, I was afraid like, this is this is kind of how I write now. I can't go back to just handing over some music and like not knowing what the the vocals were going to be like. I mean, I would have you know in the early days there were times I'd have a fairly nebulous melody idea and I would communicate that and <clears throat> sometimes Reese would you know use that um, and 
but more often than not, he would just kind of do whatever. And yeah, like I, I just I didn't want to to not know <laughs> what what everything was going to be or have to rewrite everything after you know a, a melody that was completely different than what I envisioned was put on top of it. Um, so, but you know, I I realized that it was um, too too. I guess constraining for him, um, not not because of the the challenge of it. I mean, like I, like I want it to be fulfilling as well. Like I don't want it, the songwriting process to be miserable for you know anyone I'm working with. Um, so this time around, I thought, look, you know, let's let's try something else. And um, in in many cases uh, on this album, like actually started with the lyrics and wrote a melody around that. Um, which I've never done before. I always thought I would hate doing, but actually had, it turns out I, I enjoy it. Um, and then there, there are other songs where uh, he has written a melody and then uh, we've, because of our lengthy demo process, I have time to go back and adjust the demo. So where I feel like it, 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 it fits and I can, um, you know, change the, the arrangement enough to where it does still have that, that feeling of cohesion that I want. Mm. Uh, but you know we we do it well in advance uh yeah reese weren't you saying you had lyrics done like further ahead of time than you'd ever had for other albums yeah so when i said that we so i said that last time we talked and then scott you wrote four or five new songs since then oh my god four <laughs> yeah and they're all just amazing they're all phenomenal so i'm like yep let's try and put this on the album <laughs> so right. i have four songs that i don't have lyrics to and i'm in the studio but wow. i am pretty sure i'm gonna have to come back anyway we have too many songs well that, I, yeah i mean because that's that's um a question that you know how how do you decide you know, some of your earlier albums had, you know, 16 songs on it and, and, and yeah. your later, so your later records, um, you know, trim, trim, I mean, this one was only 12. So how do you, how does, is it, are you looking for cohesion? Are you looking for um, just a specific length or a number of songs how do you how do you decide how do or how do you decide when you need to trim the fat if there's no fat to trim like if you're just talking about scott writes four amazing new songs how do you how do you reconcile that yeah scott do you want to weigh on this first uh i have i don't know it seemed like it was kind of the thing to do for you know, punk and ska bands in that time to just put as many songs as you could fit. Right. <laughs> um, and it wasn't really a matter of all the songs being worthy of the album. I mean, truthfully, all of those albums should have had a few cut from them as far as like quality is concerned. Um, but uh, yeah, now I, you know, I, I like a, an album that is, it leaves you wanting more, you know, that mm -hmm. maybe you want to restart it again once you have finished it. 
So I think even 10 songs would be great. Um, and if I, I do always like to have extras because um, you don't ever know. I mean, with I think I said this last time, with just about every release, um, especially in the early days, uh, a lot of times my favorite songs going into it were not my favorite after it was done. So, uh, and then sometimes the opposite happens. So like, it's always just good to have extra songs in case some of them don't turn out as well as you thought they would. Mm. Um, and in the, in the case of the, the engine sessions, um, I mean, I, I, we were able to release a, a pretty great EP, you know, of songs that, um, I mean, some of those, I mean, I could have swapped out for other songs and been perfectly happy with. And they, there were a couple that were not obvious B-sides. Yeah. But a couple yeah. that were. <laughs> it was nice to have those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what was it's that? It's nice did to be able to do that. Yeah. Did um, you guys I, together oh. decide on that? Well, it kind of goes back to that that playlist or that everybody made you know yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Um, like i actually had between pavement and stars on mine I, I i wanted that one on the record um but more people chose to cut that one and it wasn't on mics either so um yeah that's that's really kind of what decided and sometimes that's what it is it's it's like um it's not necessarily a, a song isn't worthy of the album. It's just in the context of the other songs. Maybe it doesn't flow as well. So it gets the ax. Yeah. I definitely got scarred by making all the hype because we were just like, we have to finish an album and this stupid song where I rap on it is going on because we don't have, <laughs> and we don't have anything else to put on. Um, so you did especially that since then, I've been like, let's get some more songs like let's have some something to pick through because it yeah. it yeah. is like that like, like scott said once you finish the album it the songs are different than you had imagined um hmm. and especially for all of us because it, everybody's playing their parts in different places you know there's there's still you know at least 20 percent of the songs on all those albums that we've never played We've never been together and made those songs come out. You know, even in yeah. practice, it's just been um, like, okay, it's time for horns. And then later on, you're like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Or they'll be like, whatever Reese is going to do. And then he raps. And then he, <laughs> like, oh, so. <laughs> um, so I will say this <laughs> because, because it's funny. Um, I have this superstition now about prime numbers. <laughs> I keep oh, interesting. pushing it to the band and they think I'm insane. Which is yeah, true. Yeah, yes, I do think you're insane. And I, I told you on the phone the yeah. other day, at some point I want to hear your explanation about this yeah. obsession. And I don't know. Should, <laughs> yeah, should, I will. This, this is an exclusive for us. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear it's the a, story. It is a mild obsession. <laughs> but I think it. if you make... If you make an album that ends in a prime number, so seven, you know, if you make a seven song album, that's a lame album, but you're shooting <laughs> for like 11 or 13. Uh -huh. That's a good, good length, 11 or 13. And you're hitting the prime numbers. 
And if you make all the all your hits be on the prime numbers, so one, two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, I think nice. it just it just makes good flow. Yeah, that's that's like that's yeah. like Def Leppard amount of hits on that on that record. Yeah, it's not um, gonna happen. This band, that's hysteria <laughs> right there. <laughs> it's gonna be so. It's gonna be thirteen shits on this album. <laughs> well, I think this begs the question: How much rapping is on this new album? Uh, it's it's basically just all rapping. <laughs> it was the natural place for you guys to go. <laughs> no, I came to Florida. I was like, I gotta get close to vanilla, to vanilla ice. I need to get close as I can to Henry Van Winkle. Yeah. <laughs> There are like three songs where he just, you know, introduces a song in a raspy voice, but other than that. <laughs> I think I think I think what I'm learning here is that what has really brought the healing is that you both stopped, collaborated, and listened to each other. <laughs> That's very true. You came out with some new inventions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I nice, mean... <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so what did, I did hey, have of that song actually. I'm sorry. Yes, was... no. Let's please let's please talk about American Kryptonite. <laughs> no, 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 not American Kryptonite. Uh, Ice Ice Baby. Um, oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith had like a he he had a, a misheard lyric on that. What was it like? Check out the check out the hook while my DJ performs it, wasn't it? Like yeah, but he uh, kept saying revolves it. It revolves it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. That's the correct lyric, but he he insisted that it was check out the hook while my DJ performs. It. I don't know. <laughs> those words don't even those words don't even sound similar. No. Didn't uh, <laughs> didn't Brad rap it in the final show? I believe. Yeah, he has been known. Sometimes he just does it. <laughs> I love he's it. Just gonna rap. We we got to get Brad on the pod. Yeah, I mean he flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. I've always said that. Um, so I wanted, so, so to Astoria is, is a, is a, is a great song. It's a curious five iron song, uh, second coming of cheeses. And then on between pavement and stars, that is a, um, a Dennis cut. What is the story with that song? Because it, it, definitely is uh giving me like a mumford and sons kind of vibe the story is that that is that dennis is a super talented songwriter and we all so for second coming of cheeses we had as one of the kickstarter uh backing um prizes was that um people would just pay whatever ungodly amount of money which was too much, by the way, people, I'm sorry. Um, but you would pay for it, and we would write a song about about anything you asked us to. And everybody in the band was just like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. I can write a song for people. So some of the people can't write songs, and that was a limitation. But then a lot of us could, you know, so we, we did. And, and uh, that was Dennis's. Wow. And mine was a, a shit sandwich. <laughs> and then I wrote about eight more shit sandwiches, but Dennis's was so good. We put it on, um, on the EP. Got it. Yeah, it, was just, it was just like a, a good song. It, it didn't, yeah. it was 
joke song or anything like right, that. Right. You used it for that because that's it was part of that Kickstarter reward. And um, but yeah, like Reese said, it was good enough. We just put it on the EP. I love that song. And it's so it, cool. It's it is very cool, and it's so out of left field uh, for the kind of stuff that I mean. I normally hear Dennis writing. It's one of my favorite Dennis songs. Yeah. Um, does uh so was that all him? Like he did all the instrumentation and stuff for it too? Or was that I you guys? Okay. I think so. Did Andy I... play drums on it? Did we record anything? Gosh, I, I, I don't think we remember. I don't remember. I think Dennis did it all. That's really cool. It almost reminds me of like a neutral milk hotel vibe where there's that oh, okay, like Okay, sure kind of deep yeah. horn in it and like jangly guitar. I'm just like, man, right on Dennis. Yeah. Anyway, that song rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think to your guys point, the whole EP rules, like it's, it's so nice to have a collection of songs where it's like, these were not cast offs. Like this is a perfectly good EP to stand on yeah. its own. Per- um, perfectly serviceable. Perfectly uh, serviceable. <laughs> EP. It, it's a good, yeah, it's a good thing. It, it's only six songs and not a, not seven because that would be a stupid number. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I have a weird thing in my brain about even songs on records are often my favorite. Um, So maybe that's not, maybe that's not Hmm. dissimilar. I don't know. Maybe my brain is broken. I know why that goes completely counter to my, my (laughs) well, I don't know. (laughs) It all works out somehow. Um, (laughs) But I did, I did want to ask about Jeremy because and what it was like uh, working with him after doing all of it with Saki for so many years and uh, mm. how what what that decision was like and sort of the production styles and uh, different approaches, so to speak. Scott, you even did Yellow Second albums with Saki, right? Uh, we, uh, yeah, we did the second one, um, with him and then the original mix of Altitude he did. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we, we all worked with Saki like almost, almost exclusively. And I think for me, most of that choice was just because, well, so with five minute walk, it wasn't a choice. At first, hmm. they were just like, here, here you go. We're putting you in the studio. First album, great. And Saki is a bro. He's, he's so awesome. Yeah. He's such a cool yeah. guy. He was in my wedding. I love him to, to death. Like, I, I would, um, you know, I, I, w- I would make any album with him just to hang out. Mm. Um, so at first, there was just no choice, though, because it was like, he he lived down the road from five minute walk and um and we just ended up doing it and loved it and loved working with him and the albums kept getting better and better so we just stuck with Saki because we loved him i think in the back of our head there was always just kind of this thought that yeah well what if we did it with somebody else would it get better or worse um but i don't think that ever over overrid any of our decision-making until um, just until we, we made engine. 
And really at that point we had all had about, you know, the, the 10 years just to sit on it and be like, you know, I, I, I wonder what it would sound like if we went with somebody else, who is that person? And I think, um, you know, Jeremy was the studio, was the studio producer for Dennis's company, um, singing right. serpent. And so at that point, Dennis was like, well, I know a guy and he's really good. Let's go with him. And so that was like the first concrete, I think, um, person that was presented to us to be a, a producer and just having that, uh, that the ability to, to make that choice. I think we just decided just to try Jeremy out because, um, all we had known was Saki. Um, and it was, it, it made more sense, I think, for us financially because we could stay with, stay with Dennis. He lives in New Jersey and then just kind of go there in, in pieces, you know, you know, it's mm -hmm. Micah's turn. So he would fly out and he'd go for a week. And, um, you know, I flew out a couple of times and, and it was easier that way just to, just to do that. Plus he got to hang out in New York for a week. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was cool. Or a month in my case. You want to add to that, Scott? Yeah, a month. That's right. You were there the whole time, dude. Yeah. Um, no, I, th I think you summed it up well. Um, yeah, I, th I think just, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's nothing against Saki whatsoever. It's just, you know, sometimes you need new blood and um, uh, to try something else. Um, and yeah, everything Reese said about or, the financial sense that it made. I mean, we used the singing serpent studio um, that saved us a lot of money there as well. And, um, and it, as it turned out, I mean, it was awesome. We love Jeremy and uh, love what he did for the sound of the album. And, um, you know, we're working with him again in a uh, more limited capacity. Uh, but, you know, like, like we've talked about Reese is out there tracking with him right now. He's going to mix the record. So. Well, I mean, I, I think we, we both feel that the, the Sonics and the production on this album hits the sweet spot because it's the, it doesn't feel overproduced at all everything feels it just it's just right in the pocket and the sonics on it from the just the opening you know that sort of high guitar and every, it's just it's to the end it's just all perfect and i so i hearing when again that you guys were going to be working with jeremy i am very excited very very excited for that yeah we're we're excited too we're we feel lucky to know him and uh He's a super talented guy. I mean, kind of the quintessential producer type. I mean, he's an awesome guitar player, bass player, drummer, pianist. I mean, he, he can play everything. <laughs> really great singer. Uh, yeah, one of the most talented people I've known. He's, uh, he's coming on the pod shortly to talk with us, which I'm eager to get into with him. But um, what were some of the things then that with Recording Engine maybe surprised you guys about having a different producer as the band like what 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 took you back or what what made you excited that was different about the process this time 
Um, for me, like, I don't know. I think what he captured that I, I don't know that we ever did before was just kind of the energy of the band. Um, you know, like some of the older records, you know, I don't know, you, you, you hear the details well enough, but there was, uh, there's something about, uh, you know, Jeremy and his approach to especially like engineering and, and, uh, producing drums that I think just, uh, I, I don't know. It just, he, he captures that raw energy yeah. of, of Andy's performance that mm. I don't think we ever really did before. Um, I mean, you could say the same thing with other aspects of the production, but that was probably the most noticeable for me was just how great the drums sound. Yeah, it's a standout. The drums are are, are noticeably, they sound great. Yeah. Did, did you feel that uh, Jeremy elicited sort of like different, like, like that you're, he brought something out in your performance in, in your individual performances that was different. How do you, how do you, uh, you know, you, you talk about the drums cause is it, is it just about uh, him capturing Andy's performance or was there something that he did individually that, you know, brought it, brought it out? Yeah. You know, his style is, a lot different. I mean, he, he definitely, um, I think he's just a, he, I mean, not to say that Masaki isn't this way, like they're both likable in their own way. They just have their own very distinct personalities. You know, uh, Jeremy is, uh, um, I mean, he's, he's a, a funny guy and he's able to keep it light when things are getting tense. Um, uh, I think that he can be disarming in that way. And um, when, you know, someone's getting frustrated, you know, kind of, kind of bring them back in um, and still kind of extract the, the right performance out of them. Definitely sounds like an asset. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think for me, because he's also a really good singer. Um, he's got a good, just a good ear for, I, I don't know, like, um, for what is passable, what makes it sound more human when I record versus what, like what, what is exact. So I, I like how he, he'll pick out things that I, I, I'll be like, Oh, I, I was pitching on that one. And he'll be like, yeah, but it sounds good. It sounds like it belongs in that spot. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like the, if I have a weird breath in a weird spot or, my voice cracks. He'll be like, that sounds great. We're keeping that. And he won't let me redo it. Hmm. You know, where, where I'll just be like, please just let me, let me fix it. And he'll, he's got a good ear for that. Um, he, he also is, is I think good at um, just kind of like sing it like this and then he'll sing it, hmm. you know, um, whereas like Saki, you know, he, he wasn't a singer, so he have to play it on guitar or play it on piano and it, it was hard for me to to get that as a singer mm -hmm. but um I, I don't know what i loved about working with saki was he is a machine like he 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 could do a 16 hour day 
not like without even thinking about it, you know, there, and, and you just keep tracking until you couldn't do it anymore. Um, which we, we needed for a few albums just because we were short on time or short on money. Mm-hmm. We had a tour, we had shows coming up. So it was, it was nice to have that. Did you, Reese, did you have like a vocal approach that you wanted to take when you guys reformed in a new way or did it just kind of happen organically? And then same thing for this time around. Are you taking like any different approach or is it just kind of how, however it sounds, works itself out? Um, so when we made Engine, a lot of what came out was just 10 years of regret. <laughs> just being like, <laughs> Thinking about like the Roper album, which was the last thing I'd made, or I guess I'd made the last uh, Break Saint Saturday in Pembrokeian. But Maybe I good guess, well, I feel like vocally I just pushed too hard. My, my mm-hmm. vocal delivery there was like no nuance; it's just pushing. Mm-hmm. And so I had that to chew on. And Scott was like, when we were writing the songs, he's like, just sing, just hold back, just sing it lighter, just stop pushing so hard um stop rapping so hard (laughs) stop rapping so hard reese why are your bars so fire (laughs) (laughs) so um so that that helped a lot and i think um just talking about that ahead of time going into it lighter Mm -hmm. when we recorded um dark and stormy night I think I was holding back a bit too much. So it's, it's a, it's like on the lower end of my spectrum of pushing. Um, but the rest of the album, I feel like we, we kind of dialed it in well. And then on this new stuff that we're recording, it's, it seems like it's going very well. Lots of dynamics and, and a lot of nuances and just the way that I'm singing. It's awesome. Like, I mean, it's all very fresh. I mean, he's only been tracking for, what, since Tuesday? So, yeah, you know, just a few days. And, yeah, I mean, everything I've heard is is great. I think his, your voice has never sounded better. Oh, man. Yes. Every little morsel we get about this new record just makes us so much more Slow, excited. slow clap. <laughs> I haven't I, heard a second of it, and I'm and I'm still, like, <laughs> still applauding. We, uh, you know, you, Go ahead, Reese. Oh, no, I just laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, use the word dynamics. I think that's that's one of the things we kept saying with Engines, too, is like it really seemed noticeable on that album, the way that you guys were using dynamics and, and differences in, in sound and in vocals, and it, it makes it... Um, it makes the musicality of it more powerful because it goes in so many different places um, so often. But um, I also just coming off of listening to all the yellow second stuff, I I heard all of the the different textures that yeah. Scott brought to the table that I just fucking love about <laughs> yellow second. There's just those little tiny things that make a song pop in a certain spot, and you're just like, and you know we talk about when it, when something takes, it takes it to the, that next level. And those little, those little pieces, they just, they, for me, they, they, they just make all the difference. And I love it. Thank yeah. you. I like, 
they're the kind of details that I live for in music mm. that I like I both as a songwriter and just as a music appreciator um, and I don't uh, I, I know that a lot of people they probably don't um, pay attention to that level of detail in music and I'm I'm fine with that but I, it always makes me happy to hear when when somebody actually does like <laughs> notice it and and it does something for them. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, yeah. It it's there's just so much, so many of those um, moments. Like I said, just from the 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 very get go, um, we both get it. Just psychs us psychs us up. Yeah, um, there's like uh, you know that little squealy guitar sound that starts right when against the sea troubles really comes in. It's just like, Oh, we're in a different sort of uh, sonic place this time. And it, it stays there in a really satisfying way. Um, I was actually going to ask Reese about uh, dark and stormy. Like how, how did you all decide on that becoming the first song? Like talk a little bit about how making that before the rest of the album went, why you decided on that was just that, the song that you guys had ready or how did that work? Yeah, Scott, Scott had it ready. Did you have it ready, Scott? Or did you write it after we started talking about it? Uh, well, after we started talking about it, I, I threw, I don't know, it was probably four or five just partial ideas out there. That's right. And um, that was the one that seemed to garner the most enthusiasm um and so i just that was the only one that i finished i guess at that time and uh yeah we all, all liked the idea of not just announcing a kickstarter and a new album but okay let, let's do a song and actually get people excited about it and that one was ready so why not <laughs> yeah what's yeah. the deal with the that the chiptune guy who did the the mushroom kingdom remix because that rules but it's awesome it rules i kind of like it better than our version (laughs) i i said on i said on the pod that i i would have loved to have some of those little chiptune elements just interspliced within the song because it I mean, it doesn't have the driving nature of, of course, of of dark and stormy night. But so, how did I mean? How did that come? How did that come to be? Do you know? Is is this like a guy who came to you? Was like, hey, I want to do this, or I, I have no idea. It. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think we had so we had released parts of the song as stems, so people could remix it. Oh, that's right. right Scott? Uh, yeah. cool. I forgot we did that. So I'm wondering if he just took took the parts down and then made a chiptune version. But yeah, he just did it. And it's really cool. That's rad. Did you... Yeah. Was there a feeling at all like having done that one first before the, the, the proper album, like were you guys kind of feeling like, well, we'll see how this works out and if it goes well, we'll continue? Or was it just kind of like this is the first chapter something we know we're going to do. Like, did you feel confident about it? Was it kind of like a test, you know? I think we all, we all hoped for that, that it would work. But I think a lot of us were just kind of also expecting to have to pay for our own album. 
Mm, right. You know that I I feel like it, had we all just had to chip in like a couple thousand dollars each to make an album, um, we still would have done it. I think that we mm. were excited enough to be writing and playing again, but um, nobody thought that it would break the Kickstarter record. It's wild. All. So that was insane. I remember Sonny, when we were first trying to come up with the, uh, the amount we wanted to raise, um, you know, just trying to figure out what it was actually going to cost, um, make all those calculations, you know, like what's fulfillment going to run. Um, and I remember Sonny actually throwing out, like, I think it was like 40,000 or something. I think 30,000 was what we asked for, but he's like, oh, man, I, I don't know. I think we could raise like 40 grand. And I, I thought he was crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. There's no way in hell we were going to raise $40,000. <laughs> and then an hour later, <laughs> right. after yeah. it started, uh, yeah, crazy. What, what kind of freedom did that give you guys when it did, break the current record at the time like what did it allow I, you to do i mean it, it really did kickstart the band i mean not only the record but i mean we were able to buy a good in-ear monitor system which has mm -hmm. been uh amazing i mean i can't even imagine doing shows without it now mm -hmm. um yeah i mean it made it so that we could actually kind of get off the ground and start playing shows and not be a financial burden to our families. Um, mm. You know, it, yeah. I mean, it, it made all the difference. Along those, I mean, not along the lines of the Kickstarter, but along the lines of kind of like hearing it was a dark and stormy night and going from there, it is kind of a good sort of thematic indicator of what the album would explore in terms of sort of being darker and more mature territory. Like, did you, was that something that you all, I, I think I've talked to both of you about this and it's not so much the case, but it does feel like there was almost this intention for this record to explore some of that stuff. Like, did you have that as an idea of something that you wanted to do this time around or was that just what came out when you all put songs together? I think it's just what came out. You know, yeah. I, I think with a dark and stormy night, um, I wanted to write, again, something that fit with the way the music made me feel, mm -hmm. um, made me feel like I was lifting out of kind of this darkness. And I think at the time, man, I was, I was pretty bummed. Um, we had just moved to Virginia and like the, the week before, um, the week before we moved to Virginia, my sister, it was probably a couple weeks before this, but she came to visit my, my wife and I in Denver and she, she came with her boyfriend and, and told us she was pregnant and we were like, great, congratulations. And we had a little party and then this dude like wrecked her car and then disappeared. Oh, geez. So it was like a week before we were moving and she's like, I, I don't know what to do. I can't go anywhere. I'm pregnant. And I was like, well, I know what you're doing you're going to come with us and we'll tow your car to Virginia. So, so we did. And then we had gotten an apartment in Charlottesville in, 
and it was sight unseen, you know, and it was like some college apartment just for like grad students. And we had a new baby. She was probably three months old and my pregnant sister living in one of the bedrooms and, and my wife and I, and our daughter in the closet in this other uh, bedroom in the, this this basement apartment. It was pretty depressing. And we started five iron back up and it was my only source of joy at that point. Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, I want to say my only source of joy. I loved my family. I had a new baby, but it was rough. Yeah. And uh, that's what came out. Hmm. Also drinking dark and stormies. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. No, I am. I'm struck by it as a sort of uh, tone setter because you know, it is, it is coming from the sort of place of darkness, but it ends in this, um, you know, and hope still flies sort of mantra. And I still, uh, you know, when we recorded the episode the other night, I still get chills at that. Like, I feel like it's this, the, the whole record is an acknowledgement of difficulty, but with still the glimmer of hope that like sustains. And that feels very five iron. Um, and I just, yeah, that, that, that final, uh, sort of stanza or whatever the song still still hits pretty hard. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, we mentioned Leonard Cohen uh, a little bit and his his line. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And I I, I just we were both feeling that that even in the the broken in the darkness in the winter. Uh, there's, there's still, there's still a potential for, for light getting through that brokenness. And that always leaves us feeling hopeful and we could all use a little hope right now. Yeah. I remember at some point. So what Reese was saying about how this, that's just kind of how the song came out and how other songs started coming out. But I remember at some point, maybe midway through the writing process, uh, Reese, um, you said that kind of inadvertently, um, you notice these recurring themes of warmth and cold and mm-hmm. light versus dark. And so we kind of leaned into that intentionally at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, initially it's, it sort of just kind of came about organically. Is that, is that fair to say, Reese? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, I think it—I think it worked. It, it's a bummer because some of the songs ended up being on the EP that I think would have lended more to that theme. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see what it does on this album because I—I'm repeating a lot of the same same things. <laughs> I did it with Ray Saint Saturn on um, on Anti Meridian, where I kept talking about birds. Yes. And I liked, yeah. I liked how it made me feel, you know, like I, I was like, this is, this is cool. It's, it's thematic, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you're saying something about, about dawn when you're talking about birds, mm-hmm. um, you're saying something about being able to fly or having hope. And so um, just kind of carrying that idea when I saw that thread going through engine, um, I loved it. And so I'm doing the same thing with the new album, but a little bit more purposeful, just trying to recreate some of the same themes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, in terms of the approach this time, I know, Scott, you already touched on it's not the same process as far as the demos having the, the lyrics in there and stuff, but as far as the song development process, like how is it comparing this time around in terms of what exists before you record, who's bringing in songs, like how has that process compared to, to Engine? Yeah, it's been a long time in coming, so the process <laughs> has actually changed a few times sure. in the last, what, eight years or however long it's been. Yeah, like 72 times. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah, there's not a clear answer i don't know there isn't there isn't one answer anyway um yeah i guess we've been i think both uh reese and i have had some difficulty kind of getting on the same page at various times you know we've had different priorities um throughout you know trying to get other projects done um, and it's only been really in the last, what, couple of months or so where we've, um, I think really gotten on the same page finally and kind of just worked through some, some things that we needed to. And, um, you know, a lot of these songs have been in the works for a few years. Um, some of them, some of them are probably four years old now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so different songs evolved in different ways, um, and had different processes, I guess. Um, sure. but I think we, we finally, I think we have an understanding. Um, and I guess to throw a little bit of, of love back in your direction, <laughs> some of it has to do with honestly, this podcast. Um, I think, for me, maybe for both of us, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for Reese, but um, so like a couple of months ago, maybe I don't remember when when it was that that um, he discovered you guys and uh, actually sent the band a text saying, "Hey, you know, if you guys want to hear a couple of middle-aged white dudes' opinions of ours." <laughs> Yeah, that's not what I said. I said, do you guys want to hear what it's like when the coolest guys you've ever met talk about your band? That's what I said. <laughs> mm. um, Truth lasts somewhere in between. Yeah. Skepticism. My first impression, like when he sent that text out, it was like, yeah, I'm definitely not listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. But, <laughs> Uh, but I did, and you, and from the first episode, I, I thought, you know, you guys, um, I enjoyed your takes on things, and, and even just your tangential, you know, musings about whatever. Uh, but I, I think that it's easy anytime you've been, you know, in a relationship, uh, like a working relationship with someone for so long as Reese and I have, like, I think it's easy to take that person for granted or maybe forget what it is about them that is so special and you mm. you can you can focus on what frustrates you about them and mm. uh like I, I think for me uh, just having the reminder that like you know um uh, reese is a super thoughtful guy an extremely talented you know lyricist someone who's 
sent people's lives on different paths. I mean, you know, he said a lot of nice things about my musical, uh, I guess, abilities, but I've, I've never heard of anyone naming their child after me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that combined with just the times we're living in and like, you know, wanting to, it just, it just makes you take stock and, and appreciate the, the um, lifelong friendships that you have. So I think it, for me anyway, um, it has made me try a lot harder to uh, kind of get over some of my hangups and, and work through some of this stuff. So hmm. anyway, so thanks. Thank you guys for that. Thank you. That's, that's very generous. It's cool to hear. Yeah. We, we could not be more excited <laughs> to hear this new stuff. Um, and, you know, I, one thing I wonder, so it's sort of like the stuff from the engine sessions, like we were saying a little more mature, darker, however you want to describe it. Um, I assume the new album is not dissimilar from that in terms of sort of trajectory. How does it feel to go back and play a lot of the sillier, happier, maybe less musically complex song? Like, do you still have as much fun playing them or would you rather be playing more of the new stuff? I'm, I want to answer, but I also want to hear Reese's answer. Yeah. Okay. You go, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear your answer first. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, yes, I would love to play more new songs, but I totally get as an established band, you know, if I were to go see one of my favorite bands from the mid to late nineties, and if they didn't play my favorite songs from that area, I would be pissed. You know? right. So I, I completely get that. And so, um, I'm, it's not like I'm bummed about it. Yeah. When I, when I, when I play those old songs, um, I can still enjoy it, but it's, it's almost 100% nostalgia that, that I guess I get that enjoyment from. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like I think that they're awesome songs still. Um, <laughs> there are a few exceptions like blue comb. Actually, I, I still really like that song. Um, I I sing along with pretty much every word every time. Like I, I I always loved those lyrics. There's a lot about the lyrics that I personally can relate to, um, and I, it is a song that I am still proud of musically. Um, maybe not as proud, but I think for that time in my life, that that was a solid effort. <laughs> um, so I guess there are there are moments like that in the set but there are also plenty of just like, okay, whatever. Like I know people love to hear this song and sure. that, that in and of itself gives me enjoyment. Your turn. Um, <laughs> I think that's wonderful, Scott. Yeah. Scott, you've softened a bit because you, we've even played combat shock a lot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you hate that song. I think we all hate it. <laughs> just, it's just like you're just like whatever i hated like, that song in 98 you know <laughs> yeah 
No. Yeah, I I I agree. It's just I don't know, it's just cool to see you having fun. Um I think for me the new songs you know, so you know how I have trouble remembering lyrics? <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard about this. I, I, I've heard rumor. Yeah. Of, yeah. So, <laughs> are you drinking now? <laughs> Scott is just like, I got to get another beer in me <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, it It's the way that, um, I don't know. It's it's the way that I remember the song. So it's like in a linear order. Mm-hmm. So if I fall off that train, it I'm like, oh crap, what am I doing? And then I have to like figure out what song we're playing, and then go back into that mode where I'm singing the lyrics to it. Uh-huh. Um, if I actively think about the lyrics, it makes me either not be able to perform, or you know where I'm, I'm like. I can't think about how I'm singing the notes or the, I'm just like, when, when we play, there's always this constant uh, voice in my head, just telling me to do crazy things. Um, Satan. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, Oh, come on. Everybody's bored. You know, like you gotta try and, spin yourself sideways and and fall or do a cartwheel, you know, and that that's happening. And, and so if I'm having to think through the lyrics while, while that's going on, I, I lose the lyrics or I lose the ability to, to perform. Sure. So, the older so is it just song, like muscle, is it like muscle memory then that you just like, yeah. your muscle yeah. memory is shit. No, it's total <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we played if we played more, it does get better. But it is completely sure. that. Like it's just muscle memory. And then I'm up there just being like, uh, "What would be funny right now? I wonder if I can hang off those rafters." You know, <laughs> like, um, you know, it, it, some of it is is also we do the same moves. You know, like if we're doing Where's Your Miss Fifteen, Brad and I do this thing where we look like we're exaggerated playing guitar and we lean on each other or mm-hmm. milestone we run around in the circle all this <laughs> stupid stuff um but yeah it's mostly muscle memory so for the older songs it's it's always still there the new songs always cause me a bit of anxiety because i have to concentrate on what i'm doing sure um but then there's like the old songs that are just like anthemic that I love. Like I love playing You Can't Handle This or Handbook to the Yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the new songs, probably the most like that is Into Your Veins. But I still yes. fuck it up all the time. <laughs> that that's, that is uh, the last time I saw you guys I, I'd mentioned was in uh, the Pyr- Pyramid Scheme in Grand Rapids. And that was a great show. And those um yeah those songs are always there we we were talking on the the episode the engine episode that i don't know i think john i think you had agreed that there are certain songs that are in our top three but there are all then there are songs that aren't necessarily in our top three but songs that we really would like to see live yeah um and we talked about someone else's problem is a song that we both really love and that we would love to see that live. Is, are there certain songs that you as a band really 
do like, but because Scott, to your point, nostalgia, old songs, not pissing fans off. Are there songs that you're just like, ah, oh, we could, we'd like to play this, but it's, you know, maybe a deeper cut or not a, not a, it's not going to get, it's not into your veins. You know, it's not going to get the crowd like pumping their fists or whatever. Yeah. And we've tried, I mean, we'll try, I mean, we haven't tried every song, but we'll try a lot of different ones and we have done um, someone else's problem. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like the reaction was somewhat tepid and it, it is a shame. I, it is hard being a band that has some just super fast songs and then to throw that in the mix in that context is, sure. I don't know, it's sometimes, I don't know, but I, I don't, it's hard to say if, if people are not enjoying it or not. Like when you're on stage, you, you make that assessment by how much people are moving around. Yeah. But it's not necessarily fair because me at a show, I'm in the back just kind of bobbing my head, you know, it, 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 a show that I'm thoroughly enjoying. Right. So on uh, the stage, you're kind of like that too. That's not, <laughs> that's, uh, that's not untrue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Scott. I, 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 the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Reese? I, same thing. I think there are, songs that we we would like to play just because we like them but right. we don't because we'll try them out and people just look stunned <laughs> you know you have to we want songs that people are like excited about you know they're they're gonna open up that pit our, our, so egos, there? <laughs> our egos are far too fragile for people sure. just to sure. try there. like we, um, we need them to look like they're you know um just going crazy like we would have in our teens. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta throw them bows. Uh, is was is there was there a song that you that you guys played before that you're like never again? That people were just like, there's just nothing. It was crickets, or is it? Are you? Does it just? Is it more like a seemingly like blue comb? <laughs> you know, just like just play the play the hits. I feel like we have this had songs a lot. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of a specific example. I can definitely think of a couple of covers that we tried that that happened with. Mm. Um, uh, Power of Love by Huey Lewis. What? <laughs> yeah. That, I, that wasn't, that wasn't, a, a, I would have been singing, I would have shoved everybody aside and got up on stage. <laughs> Fucking love that song. I mean, what's not to love? Exactly. Um, I, my my rendition of it is what's not to love. <laughs> the band killed it, and then I was like, Ugh, "What's the words again?" <laughs> I'm sure it was great. Don't take uh, money. Yeah. Don't take fame. Um, we you know we did against the Sea of Troubles uh, a couple of times and had yeah again that sort of lukewarm reaction and ugh, um, people are idiots. And what it, it is a shame. <laughs> no, I mean I. I, I love that song. Actually. It's my favorite song on the record. Yeah, um, I think it's it's some of the slow parts of it. I don't sure. Know, I, my theory is <laughs> that 
I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of liken it. Do you know what the like loudness wars are when it comes to music mastering and production? Like louder always sounds better, even though it really doesn't. It's destroying the audio. But for whatever right. reason, there's some phenomenon of human hearing or whatever that just makes it just sounds better. And I think that same kind of thing in the context of a bunch of punk rock songs that are super fast and energetic, these, these slower moments just like i don't know like at least that's what it looks to me like when i i guess see the audience it looks like like they're just suddenly not having fun mm. um, I, don't yeah, know. I mean john and i different? john and i are in our uh you know mid to late 30s and we we're not <laughs> we're not mixing it up in the pit as much as we were in our in our teens and 20s so i don't know i feel like my Speak level yourself, bro <laughs> well, I did mix it up in the. I was gonna say at, we got in at there. That, at, we got in there at the that the Chicago show, but um, you know, you I can't. I don't have the stamina. Uh, oh, it hurts to, the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, but I mean, my How love. I'm 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 36. I'm 37. So wait till you're 45. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, no, more I'm Scott, I'm already there where I'm just like yeah. <laughs> I I saw a show this last fall. Um I don't know if you guys are familiar with Michael Kiwanuka. Yeah, uh he's great. He, he put out one of my favorite albums of last year. And I saw him in in St. Paul and I went with a buddy and we were like, Oh man, let's get let's get you know, we can get seats or we can be on the floor, we can be near the action. And then we're like, Yeah, let's let's get the floor. And then at the end of the night we're like fucking seats next time what are we thinking standing for like there's no no pit for that show no there's no pit and you're standing in in place in the same exact spot for hours and i'm just like fuck this i have reached a limit already in my mid-30s where i'm like i don't have the stamina or i'm like i'm gonna sit down i want to sit down and enjoy it i don't have to prove shit to anybody i just want to enjoy the show i'll be in the back I'll be able to get a beer and sit down and not have to worry about some jackass bumping me, you know? I feel like I got to that point when I was like 22. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Makes sense. No, I I understand. I, yeah, it, it does make sense that you're saying maybe songs that are lend themselves to like a little more complex musicality are often slower and not just like, you know, kind of punk anthems. But it is interesting. I kind of asked the question because for a lot of bands that have been around a long time, I think I'm sure that is something that comes up, you know, people want to hear nostalgic older hits, but maybe the band's more excited about the newer stuff. But I feel like it's, it's especially interesting in your guys' case because there's such vast ground covered uh, musically from those first few albums to where you went after that and where you are now. Like it's, it's such a difference in, in songwriting. Um, so yeah, I kind of wondered if it was like you hoped there were more chances to do stuff that was a little slower or weirder, which I would I would love to hear you do, but I also understand uh, getting getting the pit going. More uh, more bleeps, <laughs> more bloops, and a lot more bridges. That's what John. That's that's John's recipe for success. I'm I'm here for all that's those. That's all things. we need. <laughs> a, a bridge medley. That's right. Scott, did you see that one of our listeners put together a cut of altitude that was just the bridges of every song? 
I think I did hear that. Yeah. What a maniac. <laughs> it, it was like it was like seven it was like seventeen minutes or something like that. And he just oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I love uh I love yeah, he called it the, yeah, our listeners are rule, but it was like he called it like the, the John Potter cut. John cut. <laughs> the so John cut. That's an unfair assessment. Um but I did I, I wanted to ask about someone else's problem because that seems to be kind of like a, a, a band favorite. Um it's got like such a specific sound and we were saying like we appreciate that the one sort of glimpse of pure ska is more like a two-tone dub thing than it is you know the third wave thing so could you talk a little bit and i think that too is is an interesting one in terms of where it went from demo to full version because reese you obviously totally changed uh the cadence of what scott had and and the melody um so could you talk a little bit about the creation of, of that song and how you decided on that sound it was kind of just like out of left field. Like I, when we first started doing the uh, engine demos, I guess I, I didn't have any intention of writing a ska song. Um, but I don't even remember what possessed me to, to write that. But um, yeah, I, I kind of threw it out there thinking that there's a good chance that people are like, yeah, it's, 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 it's too different from any of the other material. Uh, we're, we're also kind of done with that style of music. I think Andy was the first one to chime in and he was kind of over the moon about it, as I recall. And I don't know, people, um, people seem to like it and think it would, it, it could actually fit. And yeah, I mean, it is a lot different, but I think in a pretty good way on that album, like it's a palate mm. cleanser and, yeah. um, uh, it is the kind of ska I still like. Um, mm, yeah. I think I mentioned uh, the last time that, you know, the, that really kind of hyper um, 90s yeah. third wave stuff, like wasn't, it, it, I, I, there's not much of it that I still enjoy, but um, yeah, I, that, that specific style I, I thought um, is still to my liking. And I don't know, it just, it was fun to write. Um, is a, a kind of a, a needed break from a lot of the other material on the album. Um, as far as the vocals go, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought what I came up with initially was cool, but uh, what what Reese did um, to, to elevate that was even better. I mean, it was like, I, I was fully on board with um, his modifications of the, the melody. And I, I love the lyrics as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 How about you, Reese? How do you feel about <laughs> how you approached Ska for that record? Um, loved it. I, I think I felt similar to Scott. I think we all got really burned out on Ska mm -hmm. being in a Ska band because in, you know, when we started, it was fresh and we loved it. And then we made, two albums um you know that were third wave ska and it seemed that every everything was ska all the time you know for mm -hmm. for like three or four years there where you just you'd play with ska bands you'd go on the road every local ska band you'd be playing with in a church basement all people wanted to talk to you about was ska 
you know, compared to the super tunnels, compared to the insiders, it was just sky all the time. And right. kind of the Holly Shore of uh, musical <laughs> genres. Really? Just fucking yeah. everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And there, there were in the 90s about 10% good ska bands and then just 90% trash. Mm-hmm. Just so yeah. much. And I don't want to say that we didn't contribute to that trash either because we made some bad songs. But um, I think we just got burned out on it. And I I loved when Scott wrote that song. Just all of a sudden I was like, dude, this is Scott. And I, I like this. I'm feeling it. It was like mm. two-tone. Yeah. Um, what I I love on this new step we're writing, there's at least four legit ska songs. And like like two tone sort of like yeah, not not yeah. like someone else's problem. Uh, oh fuck still. yes. <laughs> Put it in my body. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm neat. I'm just all I I'm all about that sort of uh hepcat slackers you know though like obviously the specials madness that that type of ska that i've really and even like even a band that we've we've been talking about a little bit lately on the pod uh that was in your circle that uh i was curious why that they never really took off because um the dingies that they they were not like a straight ahead third wave ska band. They had they also had a little bit of that two tone uh, thing going on. And and I was curious why like did you guys ever tour with them? Because it seemed like you were with the W's pretty much. Like <laughs> they're like your yeah they're like your. Uh, your guys so we went on 472 tours with the w's <laughs> at least um at least now but i think the dingies were half the dudes were in high school when they made their albums i don't think they toured oh so God. i what i remember i i don't know if we ever played a show with them but so the Singer was it Pegleg? That was his what he right. went by. Pegleg. So and Ethan he, Luck was the yeah, drummer. He, right. Right. And they, and I, so I remember Pegleg used to. He was kind of like the the boss tone for the Supertones or something for a while. Like he would get up there and like dance and stuff. Um, <laughs> and then do you remember Dave Chevalier that was in the Supertones? He was also in the uh, at least maybe an early incarnation of the dingies i don't think he stayed with them the whole time but um yeah and they were great actually uh and they also had kind of a clash vibe that i really liked i i I felt like they were sort of the uh they were sort of like the rancid of the christian scene kind of that street punk and then sometimes they had a ska two-tone second you know second wave kind of vibe going with them yeah yeah, I'm trying to think. There was one record in particular that I liked a lot. I don't remember the name of it. Armageddon Massive or Sundown to Midnight? Armageddon Massive was their first one. It's probably the, the second one then. Sundown to Midnight was... Uh, uh, you gotta leave the kids alone! 
That sounds right. You're acting I, I like a child, but you're looking fully grown. I want. I want to hear it now. <laughs> Could you do a couple more verses just so that they know what you're talking about? Yeah, definitely. You're welcome. Reese, if, uh, Reese, yeah, if you need me did. to, if you need me to fly down to Florida, do a couple takes, or you know, just let, just let me know. Oh, you can take all the takes. <laughs> you get on down here. Just leave me some fireball. You got it, brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wondered about. So you guys are leaving all these tasty morsels about about the new album. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Delicious trail of mysterious breadcrumbs. Um, but, but you know, without without um, blowing up the spot of the band or, or anything you don't want to give away, like what, uh, you know, you mentioned there's a few ska sound s- songs in that sound. Uh, Reese, you shared some dope lyrics with us. Uh, what's, what's like, I mean, would you say there's kind of an overall vibe to the collection of songs you're working on like what's some what's some of what you could talk about as far as what kind of album you think this might turn out to be god i think he posed that question to you (laughs) oh also don't have to answer god God, answer for me right now (laughs) come on um i feel like there's there's three different albums that are that were going with you know like there's a sky element and there's a punk element and then there's like a power pop element mm. or just a pop element um we we we've done okay mixing those things so i think we'll be fine putting it together to make one album or two you know i don't know but yeah. it would be let's not get let's not get crazy let's say one album and we cut down to a prime number. We <laughs> did eleven or thirteen songs, and then uh, um, I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell right now because I, I there are some songs that I feel are weaker than others, but there's no songs that are we're we're already pulling the plug on, sure. and. I I think that when we were making engine, we had some that we were just kind of at the point where we knew they weren't going to make it on the album. We recorded them anyway. Um, there was like maybe one or two that ended up being on the album from that lot because mm. you you just don't know until it's until it's done. Mm. You know, especially you you think. A, a song you you've heard the chorus melody you know a hundred times and then and you're like eh, it's not doing it for me and then somebody will come up with just a killer background vocal on it and it mm. makes the song um how yeah. do you know when a song's done how do you know when to stop tinkering we pray about it and then when jesus tells us <laughs> that is the time that sounds <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought you were saying Satan was speaking to you. I, I'm getting little, some mixed messages here. Is that the witch leading, leaving us breadcrumbs on the way to right. little tasty morsels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
No, uh, how do we know when it's done? Because Scott tells us it's done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We know when it's done when we run out of time. Mm, Okay. (laughs) That's also true. Even though you... I I was just going to say, did you guys feel like you had more... You had more time on engine and 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 presumably have a little more time now than you had been used to in the past with the band, right? Yeah, but I mean, uh, when most people start tracking their parts, it's hard to get. It's hard to then yeah. change it. Sure. You know what? You're like, well, this is what the drums are going to sound like. So if you're going to change it, it's got to go with these drums. Right. You know, whatever you lay down. Mm-hmm. Or even if it doesn't go with those things, then you just release it anyway. Sure. True. So, uh, Battle Dancing Unicorns. um, Scott just rolled his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Scott had mentioned something. (laughs) Scott had mentioned that there was a little bit of a maybe pushback or of a, maybe a discussion over that song and that maybe that was not mm-hmm. how you, that, how Scott envisioned. Um, how, uh, how did that song come to be and what were those conversations? Scott, <laughs> Scott, Scott's, just, <laughs> Scott's just grinning like yeah, a fool me, over here. Tell me what to say. <laughs> tell me what to say, Um, uh, what does your heart tell you, Reese? <laughs> what does my heart tell me, Reese? <laughs> That's not my heart. More, more fireball. <laughs> you need more fireball. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man! Filling uh, up to the Spider Man. Filling up to Spider Man. Um. Oh, Satan. Well, I uh, golly. So Scott had given me the version with his, uh, like just his scratch vocals on it. And it was, you know, kind of these placeholder lyrics. And I went through three or four versions of me writing lyrics, same melody. And they're all either angry or negative. Mm-hmm. And the problem is Virginia. Like I'd be in Virginia and I'd drive and people in Virginia are, they're bad with the driving. And so I just like, I want to write a song called slower traffic, keep right. And it will be a, about how slow people are in the right. You know, like whatever. <laughs> That's good stuff. You know, Scott, I think kept goading me to be like, well, make us happy and not angry. And, so I think the second to last version of it was called homophilia. And it was just about how like I had changed my views on homosexuality and that right. I was like, Hey, let's, it's basically what God hates flags turned into except God hates flags is about, um, that, uh, Fred Phelps church. Right. right. Um, so it, it was that and it still was like not not doing it and so i'd heard this comedy bit listening to comedy trying to get pumped up like i want to run a happy song and this guy was talking about 
how he would throw, if he really wanted to get back at somebody, he would throw glitter on them. And it's like, looks like you just got battle danced by a unicorn. (laughs) Perfect. I'm going to write that song. And so for me, it turned into, this is what we used to do. We would make funny songs. Like we would write funny songs and then they had like a hidden meaning. And so for me, I loved it because it was funny and it, it was just kind of all these jokes about just being irrelevant about like not understanding culture or starting to feel old. And then I love the bridge because it's like talking about impaling yourself on the horns, which to me is just like, <laughs> I'm in a ska band and I hate the horns. Um, Got but it. not really. <laughs> was, it was kind of that irrelevance, which I think we all struggle with as a band mm-hmm. with the point when ska became not cool. And it's like, well, what do we do? Kick our friends out of the band? And we, we didn't. So that's <laughs> the fact that we were irrelevant. Um, I don't know. You tell your story about this, Scott. Because you, you just like that song. And I think you liked it before I mangled it. Yeah, uh, I do. I, I I liked the music and the melody, and um, I actually really liked what you were saying with the homophilia version of the lyrics. But I just think the uh, I don't know, like how it actually came out and and fit in the song. It just it didn't it didn't feel quite right. Um, I like, yeah, the idea more than the execution, I guess. Um, so I give you lots of points for trying. I mean, yeah, you, like you said, you had probably four different sets of lyrics. Um, I can appreciate the, uh, I guess the, the hidden, um, you know, ska band shame, uh, that you threw in there and all that, but like, I just, yeah, it was so over the top ridiculous, like battle dancing unicorns with glitter. Like, yeah, it it wasn't (laughs) my cup of tea, I guess. Um, And, you know, we went back and forth and like, I, like I said, I give you lots of credit for trying different things. I mean, you really did try and make me happy with that one. (laughs) Uh, And I thought it would be cut. Um, but kind of in a different way, like, you know, someone else's problem was a palate cleanser. This one was kind of that way uh, as well. Um, Just, you know, we we needed some lighter material on the album. And and I I caved, I guess, because um, like Reese liked it so much. I knew our fans would like it. And a lot of fans, (laughs) I mean, it's their favorite on the album. You know, there are a lot of people that like it precisely because it's so absurd. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I I let it go. It's, it's not my favorite lyrically. I still like it a lot musically. (laughs) What was there more discussion over cyborg pimp from the future or the very fact you're alive says God must also love douchebags. Probably cyborg pimp of the future. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody, nobody, even 
I, I don't know if they didn't notice it until it got recorded, but nobody said anything about God must hustle love douchebags. Uh, Even Dennis. I think people were um, just on board with that. They're like, yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Cyborg pimps the a little, a little more controversial. Controversy. For sheezy is the one actually. That's, that's the. <laughs> we, we did specifically uh, mention that phrase on the show. <laughs> uh, even now, I just. <laughs> oh man, I love the I love the two of you as a as a songwriting unit. It makes me so yeah. happy. Does, I don't know. I also like makes, Robot Spy College. So I, I don't mind Robot Spy College. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna just. <laughs> concede battle dance and unicorns you know robot spy college is perfectly fine <clears throat> For all, all of this is it's just me just piling phrases into there <laughs> you know like because i have one of my mechanisms for writing i don't know if i talked to, to you guys about this on the on the last time i was on the pod but i i keep a file going the lightning where I just, if I hear somebody say something funny or a phrase or I'll read something, I'll just copy it to that mm. and maybe use it later. But that time I was just like, oh, that's funny. I'll put it in there. Oh, that's funny. You know, I heard two, two doctors on the, on the elevator at work and, and they were one who's the other guy. And he's like, and the guy's obviously frustrated. And he goes, ah, you just need a more aggro haircut, buddy. You just need to do more aggro. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's going in there. <laughs> Can I get a copy of that and maybe make a few edits? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna go into the lightning. Change it all up. Yeah, sure. Oh, um, so the uh, we were noticing the production on a lot of the music videos is also uh, very good, and I was wondering. There, this this train of thought is going in a number of directions, but um, was that some of that from the Kickstarter money that you were like, let's let's make some more music videos, let's do let's do some more fun stuff that that there's just more money to go around to do that kind of do that kind of stuff. Kind of, um, so I think Scott and I butted heads on this, and and Probably. I think. <laughs> Yes, Scott, you're you're right. You know, four videos was too many. But I think, especially me, you know, breaking the, the record on Kickstarter got in my head. And especially because it, I think it generated more press than we've ever had for our band. So we went from being nobody to nobody that had broken up. And then we were like, yeah, we'll just make another album. And then all of a sudden, all of this crazy, just frantic press was happening and people calling me out of the woodwork and all kinds of people texting me. And in my head, I was just like, well, this might be it. You know, maybe that that was, you know, like a false start last time. And maybe I, I don't have to work nights anymore. You know, like I, I don't have to be a nurse. We'll sell a million albums and this would be great. And so um, I am always, I think, like a, a to a fault, an optimist. And this is true. A couple people. So in this buzz, yes, thank you, Scott. Scott <laughs> will attest to this heavily. But um, a couple 
couple people, maybe like 10 different people texted us or emailed us and they're like, hey, I make videos now. I'm a huge fan of your band. Can I make a video for you? And enough people did that where we said, we should make some videos. We should get these guys, have them send us to their reel and then we'll pick some of them and make videos. And I had the thought that we could, um, we could do it where we played a show or two and have these people agree to do one live video and then one actual film video. And that way we get four videos out of it. And we, so we do it twice and then, um, have have these people be paid for it out of playing this show so the show would pay for itself and then we wouldn't get, we would pay ourselves for playing the show we just pay these guys to do it and advertise it like hey we're shooting video and then hopefully more people would come it sounded awesome on paper that when we actually did it it was exhausting because yeah. both both of those dudes we shot a video during the day and then we play a, a full set that night. And during the set, we'd like have to stop and, and reshoot that song like three times. So we just don't, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to be in the video, but you have to sit here and get excited three times. <laughs> um, so I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but it, it came out great. Those four videos are awesome. They're the, the best videos we have. It also gave us Abraham Lincoln Wolverine and and Gun Toting Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever it's all worth it. Whatever the process was, uh, Scott is Jesus blowing people away with machine gun, <laughs> and Reese with Abraham Lincoln Wolverine clauses. It, it was all worth it. So, yeah. Um, so there's something I was in watching the video and just at the battle dancing unicorn video. I was um, there was a comment, and I'm that I, I wanted to highlight because I'm curious if you guys are familiar with the band, but so the, the, the protagonist in the battle dancing unicorn video, the sort of uh, curly haired uh, nerd who is being mocked by these three young women at a five iron show where I'm like, first off, not the place and what kind of, Five Iron fans are just like mercilessly mocking a guy just because, you know, I was like, that, that is not the right tone, ladies. You got to have that dramatic tension, bro. I don't even remember this video. (laughs) Unrealistic. That people that that attractive would be in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so there's a comment of, in the in the in the YouTube video that that some guy s- said that he reminded him of Dan Avidan from uh, Ninja Sex Party. Are you guys familiar with Ninja Sex Party? I am not. No. Okay. So they also have a propensity for writing uh, silly songs, but they also have songs. <laughs> they have songs about unicorns. They're they're a comedy duo. And there, uh, and people are like, there needs to be a Ninja Sex Party Five Iron uh, collaboration. Uh, and people were, and so I was just curious if that, if you, I mean, you guys obviously never heard of him, so that's either here nor there. So, but anyway, yeah, just put him on the pod. Yeah, let's get him on the pod. And see what I will get. I will get. Yeah, I got to get a Danny Sex Bang and Ninja Brian on the pod. 
It doesn't sound like a band that wouldn't play with Pool Party Death Machine. Um, <laughs> no. We'll see what They happens. do have a song called Unicorn Wizard, so... Um, Sounds great. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like we, we've once again eaten up much of your guys' night. You're always very generous with your time. Is there other ground that you want to cover that we haven't gotten to talk about altogether about uh, Engine, about the new record, anything we want to explore? Uh, I can't think of anything. What, what about you, Reese? I thought it would be good to talk about about the fact that I think we need another silly song <laughs> on this record. <laughs> How do you feel about this guy? <laughs> but maybe not. Scott, what's your opinion on this? Uh, you know, I guess write a, write a silly song and uh, I'll let you know then. Does, em- does employee of the century count? My, you know, my my problem with that song is not the silliness so much. It's just I I don't know. I think overall, like, it's just an okay song. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of it's all coming down to if Micah can shred on this or not. If the que- if the question is Mike, can Micah shred? I think <laughs> you already know the answer to that. That's true. Yeah. Do you need do you need to like workshop some some song titles here? Is that is that is um, you need you need some All right, this this seemed to work last time. So I'm going to read you the lyrics to it. Uh, <laughs> you you already have the lyrics okay. to a silly song? All right, this is a good time yeah. for me to go get another beer. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So far, this thing is called Employee of the Century. These are the words. He said, never switch the blade on a guy in shades because it is wrong. Change guitars on the opening riff, then said the only thing easier is your mom. I love it. got me in a lot of trouble with my wife. I love it. He put us. He put his foot up on the amplifier, flipped up his collar like he was John Cryer, opened up his shirt to the fifth intercostal, laid his hands on the neck like the thirteenth apostle. <laughs> and then the chorus goes, "Pimp, wizard of the year, the span of his career, can't tell him what he's meant to me, employee of the century." <laughs> Second verse is. He will wear his sunglasses in the middle of the night because he don't care. Party in the front, party also in the back. Celebration all the time with that unremitting cool hair. All his licks modern playing like he's Henrik Ibsen, like a Stephen Sondheim of double neck Gibsons. Red guitar, whammy bar, never stop believing. If you want to see him, try the Hall of, the Hall of Fame in Cleveland. That's it. There's a bridge, but we haven't figured it out yet. All right, all right. Is it funny? Was there was there a little bit of a, a, a Corey Hart shout out in there? The yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> wearing sunglasses at night. I was like, I didn't know you had a crush on Corey Hart. <laughs> like, I, I just, yeah, I told him I'm like, you know, I I feel like I'm pretty well acquainted with your, you know, like uh, formative influences, ELO, you know, ABBA, um, but uh, 
Corey Hart. I never, I never picked up on that in the 26 <laughs> years that I've known you. <laughs> I, just uh, think, I just think I wear my sunglasses at night is the cockiest song. It's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, don't, don't push the blade on a guy in shades. Because <laughs> I'm wearing my sunglasses at night. So, so cool. <laughs> so bringing this up on the the pod kind of your way trying to strong arm me into... no that is a total it's a total power move <laughs> i know i tell you so anyone if you want to come discuss defense this is how you do it as you call 1-800 something something pot mag pod <laughs> 8, 8-7-2-7-6-2-4-7-6-3, 8-7-2-7-MAG pod. there you go that's what I said. <laughs> You're right. And say, I vote for Scott. Or I vote for the Reese Lyrics on Employee of the Century, and I hope Micah shreds on it. Oh, <laughs> and then it's, we'll see. I, I support this. I want this to, to happen in, in some capacity, however it happens. I hope those lyrics get to see the light of day somehow. You, you uh, know, also because you, 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 think, you think about a song like phantom mullet which is also an extremely silly song but that a lot of song, that, there's that song shreds and rules so yeah. i mean a, there's, a, there's a there's a place for this there's a time and a place for <laughs> um sunglasses at night and ripping on some dude's mom that place was 2002 <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow so reese what's it like under the bus just curious <laughs> Oh man, their their dynamic together is not unlike uh, you and me, Andrew. <laughs> no, it's you know i I think I think if if John, if you weren't an Enneagram Nine that avoided conflict, we would probably <laughs> that's true have a little bit more controversy than we do. Well, most of our most of our controversies have to do with bridge. With bridges, but uh, I think if that if that's yellow second bridges, <laughs> Love well, yellow second bridge. I feel like no, it, the this all started with the uh, Ar- the Ar- <laughs> the Arthur episode in our MXPX season. Uh, J- John was also only loved the bridges on on the on the Arthur albums, and I was uh, I was indignant, so indignant through all those all those episodes so um he comes by it honestly we'll just say that yeah so if you support uh employee of the century lyrics and my position uh use hashtag uh john and reese and if you support i don't know this is getting complicated um <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of a better a better way to, to end our discussion guys um it it is it is so much fun talking to you guys together or individually Either of you or both of you are always welcome on the pod at any point. We are so excited for this record. We had so much fun talking about Engine, and um, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't, I can't express properly uh, how important uh, you two are to us. So we yes. we really appreciate you talking total nonsense with us for hours uh, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank we you. Think you guys and, uh, are awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, again, like I said earlier, I. I really uh, appreciate um, 
you know, your, your thoughtfulness and, um, yeah, I mean, just your humor and, and chemistry and all that. Like, I think, uh, it's been in it, uh, a joy to, to listen to and, um, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right, dudes. We'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. See you guys. Well, thanks again to Scott Kerr and Reese Roper, two dudes who uh, have been very meaningful in our lives, uh, who have decided to uh, waste a lot of time with us on the pod, and we are very grateful for it. Uh, do you know, if you would do you like know what to... they deserve? Do you know what they deserve right now? What's that? <laughs> all, all the air, for, air horns. Air horns? Air, air horns. The air horns. All, all the air horns. The fair, horn. for, the fair, for, the fair horns. For, for, for feast and fat. Reasons. <laughs> God. Know, this sucks. Uh, <laughs> if, you'd like, <laughs> if you'd like to weigh in on our conversation, you can do so at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe if you haven't yet already and give us a rating or review. We will read your review on the pod. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. Support us at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. I believe this week we're going to have some uh, people have been asking about getting some of these videos, these conversations with the band. I think we're going to start putting some of those up over there. So if you want to see this stuff happening, uh, via our faces in a video, <laughs> you can do that over at our Patreon. Um, we're always can, trying to get. We're always trying to encourage people to support us via our faces. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you can get uh, cartoon versions of our faces over at <laughs> magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Pick up some sweet merch there. Thanks very much to our shadow producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. Well, time is winding down. But only for this up, we want you to be found enjoying the next step.